audience. WWDB Philadelphia, 8.60 a.m. This is Wayne Middleton and Kevin O'Brien with the SMB Acceleration Show. And today you're going to have to forgive us a little bit because with all the uh, coronavirus uh, warnings and everything else that's going on right now out there, uh, both Kevin and I are remote and dialing in to our own radio show. So this is going to be a very interesting time. And you uh, just hang in there with us. We're uh, working out the kinks as we go. Uh, today's going to be a good show. We're going to be talking about the small business. Um, we're going to be talking about the impact of small business and, and the coronavirus, and how you can better streamline working from home um, and helping your employees stay connected with you if you've got them, or if not, how you can streamline your own work ethic so that you're uh, maximising your time and not, you know, not losing out on business. And with that, how how are you? Uh, how are you doing this morning, Kevin? Doing well, Wayne. Uh you know as the saying goes may we live in interesting times and it sure seems like uh we are living in interesting times for sure yeah every, every day there's a new piece of news and a new uh, a new amazing thing that you thought you'd never see like italy shutting down and now new york pretty much shutting down and spain. i'm sure there are more states to follow as we go yeah, I mean, what Spain joined them yesterday, joined Italy in that same type of uh, complete quarantine yesterday. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's definitely a, for lack of a better word, I guess, an interesting time in the world. Yes. You know? So, yeah. uh, no, I think you know we're as you mentioned in the introduction, you know, we're just trying to stay like everybody else and uh, keep down social contact, and so we're uh, going to be able to do the show, fortunately, via technology, which is, I think, a kind of a great interlude into you know working from home and I kind of feel like before we get into it just a thought on it is that you know something like this is really going to accelerate the work from home distance working etc I think as a whole not just short term yeah I think it's either going to prove that it can be done or prove that it can't right and um, I think a lot of companies now will maybe start to take a little bit more note of when an employee requests uh, working from home conditions, uh, just because, hey, you know, if you can do it during a, a, a pretty major crisis, you can you can do it at any time. And as long as the products that you're producing at the end of it isn't, you know, diminished in any way, I don't see why there should be an issue. No, I completely agree. I think, you know what, I, I guess one of the positives out of all of it is companies that have you know traditionally resisted the work from home movement we'll call it um you know really are being forced to reevaluate that stance and you know as someone who has worked kind of across the board in traditional and more forward-thinking companies you know i see both sides of it and i understand you know for a lot of businesses it's extremely hard to make the transition. So I think it's also extremely hard for a lot of people. I know people from lawyers, accountants, et cetera, 
you know, different professional services p- type people that truly love going to the office and, you know, find a, uh, find they work better at it. So I think some of those folks are probably going to have the same type of eva- personal evaluation that companies are. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's all, all a matter of what you're comfortable with and how efficient you can work. Um, some people are better, you know, working from home and not necessarily needing that uh, day-to-day uh, interaction and others are not. And I think, you know, the best of both worlds is what we all aim for. And if you can balance it so that people can work from home easily and they are always, you know, uh, the ability to connect with them is there, the ability to communicate effectively using technology as we, as we are here, <clears throat> it all helps. But ultimately it comes down to personal choice. And if you're comfortable doing it, great. If you're not, then, you know, there's no, no harm, no foul. You have the ability to do it if you wish, but for the most part, you can just uh, continue as usual and know that it's there should the occasion arise, such as an emergency uh, need or, you know, maybe there's something going on in your personal life that makes it easier for you to be remote for a few days. At least you have, you know, even during this time, at least now you'll have the knowledge of how to set it up, how to be uh, online, what to look out for in terms of distractions and everything else. Um, but it could be a very positive thing either way. Yeah, and I, mean, I know you are pretty far uh, ahead of the curve as far as work from home. Did you initially, before we get into the news and all, just a quick thought sure. I just had, did you initially have any struggle making the transition or have you always enjoyed it? Quite honestly, I, I've always enjoyed being remote. Um, I think when I first moved to the US, I was working for, for a, a UK company um, remotely. And so not only was there the whole, you know, logging in every day and making sure you're online, there was also the four or five hour time difference. So at the end of their day was the start of my day. Um, so we, you know, we had a every every morning, Mike, a stand-up meeting where we connect and I'd hear about what's been going on during their day, you know, get an idea of where I needed to come in and what I needed to do. Um, and then my day began and I was okay. You know, what I, what I did, and it's difficult in, in these times, but what I used to do is every lunchtime, I would make a distinct effort to step away from the computer and I still do today. I'll take a 15 minute break, get away from the computer for a little while, Go for a walk, um, you know, take the dog out or something like that. Just, uh, just so you're not permanently stuck in front of the screen. I think little things like that make a big difference. And just because you're working from home, it, you know, if you think about it, if you're in an office, you still get up, go to the bathroom, go and grab a coffee. You know, maybe have the difference is you're having a conversation with someone on the coffee machine if someone happens to be there. But you know, from home, that's probably you know, unlikely to happen. So. You still go and do the coffee break and, and everything else. So it's still very much like a working day. Um, but the transition from being in office to working from home has never been a difficult one for me. No, that's great. I kind of uh, had similar experience. I actually, when I opened my real estate company on the Outer Banks, you know, I was mm-hmm. fortunate that I was able to do it virtually. So I didn't have an office. And, you know, to start out, it was... Uh, me and two partners and all of us work from our houses and I actually found and still do that if I'm set up correctly something we're going to talk about later but being set up correctly I find I'm actually more efficient 
and get more done than being in an office. Yeah, I mean, th- think of it this way too, is um, most people have to commute in, unless you're fortunate enough to be very close to your office, that's not a big deal. But you and I, Kevin, I mean, you used to <clears throat> used to commute over, a, what, 45 minutes to an hour to get to our former employers. Yeah, and absolutely. I, you know, any company that I've worked for over the last couple of years have all been down around the outer or the greater Philadelphia area or Philadelphia itself which means a 45 to 50 minute commute, whereas uh, remotely, you know, I get up, have a shower, do the usual. I can be online by eight o'clock, which gets me starting earlier, enables me to be more efficient in terms of getting ahead of the curve for the day. I can, you know, catch up on everything I need to do. And then ultimately when 5, 5.30 comes along and everyone's, kind of closing down for the day that normally starts let's be honest probably around the 4 30 mark uh, so <laughs> 30 to 5 30 most people are starting to wind down their day so they're not as productive whereas you know from home 5 5 to 5 30 is is the time i'm going to cut off i'm still working right up to 5 30 then i'll cut off um so you're actually more productive you tend to be <laughs> You, you tend to get more hours out of that individual, uh, which is good. And um, because they're more relaxed and less stressed, um, they don't necessarily get caught up in office politics, um, especially in big organizations. That can be kind of a challenge. And um, from a small business point of view, you haven't got the overhead of having a office and parking facilities and, you know, keeping the bit the electricity on and all that craziness. It's all part of the. It's all part of working from home, and so from an individual's point of view, yeah, it's great that I can, uh, yeah, during tax time claim back some of those costs. Uh, from a business point of view, they're, they're just costs that you have, and they tend to be more because it's a bigger space. No, absolutely, that's so true. And you know, I also also always think about, you know, by having people not have to commute. I mean, how much more fresh do they start their day, especially to what you were mentioning about the 45 minute to hour commute? If you spend 45 minutes to an hour, you know, like yours driving from the Lehigh Valley in traffic down to the, you know, Philadelphia area or in the Philadelphia, in the city itself, you kind of burn a lot of, you know, you just spend an hour of like high alert, brain power, focus, everything, you know, on just getting to the office. So that whole first hour is, you know, of you know, good uh, kind of brain mental power is kind of wasted. Yeah, it's it's an hour of dead time that you're just, you know, for the most part, um, coming into the office stressed from the get-go. It, yeah. It takes you about, and I'll, I'll just, you know, this is personal to me, but you're, you've just driven in, there's a lot of traffic, you're getting frustrated, the stress level's going up, and by the time you sit down at your desk, you know, you need about 20 minutes just to get yourself back into mental focus on, on what you're there to do. Um, so, you know, you, I don't know, if if the company I'm working for gave me breakfast like they did at uh, my former employees, I'd go and, you know, make some breakfast. I'd stand up there for a little while, just eat, you know, chilling out, trying to wind down. Then someone will come along, you have a conversation. Next thing you know, you're not thinking about what you're actually there to do that day. You're talking about another challenge that's just come in. And then before you know it, an hour's gone where you're being pulled in a million different directions. And so the stress from the road just carries on when you're 
in the office, which means by the time you actually do get to sit at your desk, um, you know, your, your mind is anywhere your actual responsibility for that day. And so that's a major, that's a major issue. I mean, it's a lot of lost time in, in, in getting people ready and focused and, and on with their, on with their workday. And it doesn't matter, it, well, it didn't seem to matter for me how disciplined I was with, you know, listen to an audio book on the way in or, you know, try to focus on what I was, you know, what work I had to do that day. Depending on the conditions of the road, depended on a lot on what I was, uh, what my morning typically started like. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it is. Now, it's so true. Yeah. Whereas now I don't really have that issue. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. And I, I know what I often think about uh, in the like really, you know, far to one side of it is all of those people for all of the Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach and, you know, out in the California, all those tech companies. I mean, an hour and a half commute each way isn't on, isn't actually that uncommon. No, it's not. And some people, are, you know, some people do much longer commutes. And, uh, you know, think about those people heading up from Allentown to New York. It's a two hour probably bus ride for the most part where you're sitting on the bus and a lot of people do work through that period of time but i'm sure there's a lot of people and i'm sure there's a lot of people that don't do that every single day i'm sure they sit there and read or listen to music or sleep um, yeah. and again that's two hours out of your day to get into work you're probably a little bit more relaxed because you're not worried about the, the driving part of it as much but even then you're still going to get dropped into um what is it um dropped into one location, you still then potentially have to get in on the subway or get a cab or walk to your business. So you're still adding an extra 20 minutes on, probably 30 minutes, depending on how far it is, um, before you actually get into the office and sit down and get on with work. And then you've got it, you know, I don't know, for me, when it came to like that afternoon time, 4.30, you know, 5 o'clock, Clock, my brain was like okay what traffic i'm gonna gonna face how am i gonna avoid the biggest lot of traffic yeah yeah you're like scrambling to get out bus, the door to, to save five minutes exactly it's like can i save five minutes to get down to the bus a bit quicker and maybe catch that slightly earlier bus home um yes so yeah i mean there's the commute is the commute and it's one of those things that we all have to go through and um you know put up with for the most part in which case yeah. you know this remote period is a really good time to kind of see how, actually how how much more productive your employees are by not having something like a, a 45 30 minute commute if not longer absolutely you know and that kind of uh i think is a good uh, lead right into what i was going to say about my biggest really uh issue with marketers primarily and even small business owners over the last say week is all of the coronavirus emails I'm getting and not and it's obviously not to uh just you know part of the like the engaged part of people's list it's like a send all you know yeah a mass yeah. a mass mailing yeah and the mass mailing like and I get it if I uh if you're a restaurant or I frequent you or anything like that, you know what? And we're engaged, like, um, 
you know, my son's martial arts schools or ballet mm-hmm. studios or anything that like, you know, kids might be involved with where, you know, yeah, I, like we obviously engage where they're a week or whatnot, you know, like, yeah, send me an update, please. You know, th- they're obviously needed, you know, um, yeah. like my son's martial arts school is actually was probably the last one to close. They were in an area that hasn't really been affected yet that they know of too much. So they were kind of waiting it out, you know, to kind of see if they could give people, you know, that ability to get out if they still thought it was OK. But, you know, over the weekend, they found out they had to close. So, yeah, they're the emails I want. But uh was kind of stuck in the house a little bit over the weekend. And I was no- saw a couple other people, you know, saying the same thing. And I was getting these emails from companies I may have bought something five years ago from. And honestly, that's a big turnoff. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I- I got a few too, and they just get they got deleted immediately, just because I may have <clears throat> I don't know may have logged into your website five years ago. I don't need to know that you're handling the coronavirus by doing the X, Y, and Z. It it really doesn't matter. And I you know again know your audience, know who's been in, engaged with you over the last year or so. Probably makes more sense than just doing a mass mailing to everyone in your database. Uh, yeah, I think you come off as much better as a company. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna create a lot of unsubscribes from your from your newsletters or whatever, uh, which is gonna be a problem. Absolutely, you know what I saw? Yeah, I could even uh, get you flagged from your email uh, program, right? Oh, next thing you know, oh, you can't yeah. send it because you got so many unsubscribes. Yeah, yeah, you you risk you potentially risk uh, being flagged for spam because again, there's a lot of emails going around uh, the coronavirus as it is um so you're just part of the part of the noise and if you haven't been engaged for let's say two to three years yeah you you run that risk you're you're treading a very fine line especially if there's enough of your uh, database that are no longer using your services or con- you know connecting with you in any way shape or form um, it does run the risk of spam, can spam and everything else i'll tell you i did uh, see an article over the weekend that I was highly appreciative of, and it was showed you the awareness, and it was the uh, CEO of Zoom. And I mean, Zoom is doing some awesome things with, you know, making their product available to teachers for free and mm-hmm. lots of stuff like that. And I think, you yeah, know, that's a one. And I originally I kind of attributed it to, you know, a marketing ploy, great way to kind of like know up your app engagement and all but then i saw this uh quote from the ceo of zoom and he i guess sent a email around to all of their staff and it said uh you know zoom ceo instructed staff not to ramp up sales or marketing due to the coronavirus crisis and uh, his quote was if you leverage this opportunity for money i think that's a horrible culture and i was like you know what that's a really uh aware way to look at this yeah, I mean, you're taking advantage of something that is uh, uh, affecting the world globally, you know. And again, this is not a, it's not just a passing phase. This is something that, I, uh, unfortunately, I think is going to be around for a while until we get a proper grip on it. Um, and yeah, to, to leverage it, uh, to, to bring more money into your business. I mean, hell, I, I wouldn't want to be part of that culture either. No, and I think that was such a, um, you know, such an aware thing to make it because I'll tell you, I have seen a, a lot of advertisements over, you know, the weekend and some of them 
I thought were a little suspect. And one I saw that I was like, <laughs> I can't believe they're actually running this was the UFC, the uh, like ultimate fighting. Yeah. And uh, they had an ad that was running. I want to say it was either Friday. Maybe I saw it on Friday or Saturday, but it said, do you run in a bar? There's an yeah, upcoming I, opportunity to boost your business. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I saw it was like, wow, that, that's cold, man. And especially being, you know, we're meant to be not, uh, you know, coming into contact with each other. We're not meant to be yeah. forming large groups. Why the hell would you put out an ad like that? I mean, it, it's just culturally unaware of what's going on and pretty ignorant. Um, and yeah. Hopefully a lot of people ignored it. Yeah, and then on the other hand, I saw an awesome thing that uh, from our buddy who we kind of mention every couple of weeks, I feel like, you know, was uh, Gary V. Yeah. And then he was, you know, because he's a big, uh, big proponent of like we were talking with when uh, Bart Mraz was on, you know, from Sumo Heavy and all. And, you know, Bart knowing Gary had a lot of great complimentary things to say. But, you know, he was talking about, you know, the flipping and going to yard sales and how Gary's really big into that baseball cards, all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Gary, you know, had a really good tweet that said, you know, I really believe that flipping entrepreneurship work ethic are so important and leads to a lot of self-fulfillment and often financial rewards. But when you take it into a place that takes advantage of things like a pandemic, it bleeds into territory that I think one should consider, you know, exploiting fear. And I I really couldn't agree more, have to agree. You know, I'm a pretty big uh, proponent of capitalism, but, you know, seeing those people, you know, in all the stores hoarding things so they could resell them on Amazon at a time of crisis is pretty sad. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I'm sure we haven't seen the end of it. No, actually, I did um, see an interesting thing is the uh, guy who made the news end up getting a visit from the attorney general of Tennessee yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's the guy good. with the, uh, was it, 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer? I don't know what the actual number is, so I, I kind of threw that number out there. Uh I forget, there's an 1,800 or 18,000, whatever, he had a stockpile of hand sanitizer, stuff like that, and I guess the Tennessee Attorney General went to him and kind of told him it would be highly advised to make a donation to all the product to some local, you know, first responders or charities, and I think he knew that, he thought that was a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's knocking on your door telling you to do it, yeah, kind of get on and do it because you know there might be consequences otherwise, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if yeah, just be you know, just be decent human beings. There's no point in, I mean, I, you know, no point in hoarding this stuff when it is it can be so vital to some people. Um, you know, trying to spin a profit out of someone else's misery is not a good thing to do. Yes. Uh, you know, else I saw advertising, which I laughed at. It was, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's a Qatar Airways. Oh, yeah. Qatar, yeah. I guess. Uh, Qatar. But oh. Qatar, yeah. They were still running a, uh, you know, whether you've already booked or are planning to in the near future, <laughs> enjoy greater flexibility up to three days prior. I was like, oh, come on. Nobody there yeah. thought, it, you know, like, you're a major corporation. This is something that, uh, you know, should <laughs> uh, definitely be thought of. But, yes. you know, hey, I, I think a lot of corporations, people, you know, especially over a weekend like this, a lot of times companies aren't, 
I mean, some companies like that should be, but a lot of times the people running your campaigns are traditional, you know, work those traditional hours. Mm -hmm. They leave on Friday and between a lot can happen between Friday and Monday morning. No one's in there to hit the kill switch kind of thing on all your campaigns. Right. Yeah. And they go out and, and, and this might be, I mean, it's a good segue into like programmatic ad buying because Mm. Talk about not having control over what's going on. If you're using a third-party vendor to run your ads, you know, unless someone pick, takes the initiative, picks up the phone and says, hey, you know that ad we're running or we're planning to run? Can we stop it? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to oh. go out. It's not going to reflect nicely on your brand. Um, so, again, it's, it's just something to never, you know, always kind of have a, a backup plan should – should something like the the Qatar Airways go out there that backfires and and just portrays your brand in just a very different light? Yeah, really a light you don't want to be, you know? Exactly. Because exactly. it's not like you – if you're an airway, I mean, you almost just want to fly under the radar right now. I would exactly, think. yeah. Now, I have to say, as much as I'm going to – I have bashed a few of these, I saw an <laughs> ad that absolutely cracked me up over the weekend. And it was for uh, Torx Soccer. And it was, I mean, okay. the, the, the visual on the ad is pretty bad. I mean, I like where they're going, but it says, penalty kick in heels, not recommended. Ball at 10.0 PSI, a must. And it's all about this smart soccer ball pump. And uh, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of timely. People need to get outside if they can and away from people. It's a pretty interesting idea. But the... The ad imagery itself is just terrible. They kind of overlaid a high heel shoe that's tiny and green on a green grass background. And I was like, yeah. hmm, somebody could have done a little bit better with that. And then the copy on the landing page, I just don't know how big a deal is a properly inflated soccer ball, generally speaking, you know, that uh, a perfect, the perfect pump is necessary. Yeah, unless you're, um, yeah, for the most part, if you're going for a kick around, it just needs to be pumped up. And I can, having played soccer for most of my life, I can tell you that 10 psi was the perfect pressure for a, a ball. I had no idea. Um, so <laughs> I thought the same how thing. Important is it? <laughs> unless you're playing professional level and you're the person in charge of the balls, it's not important at all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I. I mean, I, it seems like a cool idea, but like I thought the same thing. I never knew in all this time that that was the necessary PSI for a soccer ball. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if I if I'm gonna be stuck in the backyard for a couple weeks, you know, maybe I need a perfect PSI soccer ball. <laughs> yeah, you should get out there and get one. It's it's vital. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think more of the uh, what's the other one? What's the one that has works with the app? Oh, it just was in my brain i can't think of it there's the uh the soccer ball that like uh it's an indoor soccer ball that works with an app and it runs drills on your tv for your kids like that might be oh, not yeah, a bad idea I this saw time. That. yeah yeah i can't remember the name of it but i did see it that's that's it. it's a great concept yeah isn't the whole idea to get out and kind of play it rather than just be stuck in front of a screen yeah that yeah that's where i lean with the concept is like i'd rather the kids in any weather just Go to the backyard, kick the ball around. You need to feel the like ball itself, the grass, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, there is a massive difference between indoor balls and outdoor. 
Yes. And yes, Dan, I, I can imagine the jokes happening back in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah, Dan, our technician, just sent in, um, just sent us a message, just saying so many jokes. It's a good thing you two aren't here. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> well, you know, sometimes as, levity's good at a time like this. Exactly, and I think uh, this is a good segue to head into break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about how you can set yourself up for success when working from home. So on that note, let's head to a break. Welcome to 2020. It's time to give your small business a good makeover. Why not look at a new website? Why not look at your brand and see how you're performing online? Or are you trying to grow your social media channels? SMB Acceleration Radio Show can have the answers for you. Join us as a guest or be sponsoring the show. We can help no matter what the problem. Call 855-308-3825. Want to promote your business or sponsor a show? Give us a call at 855-308-5825. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Hey, did you hear the groundhog predicted an early spring? But why wait to find out if he's right or not? Start planning your summer vacation with our favorite option for booking that getaway in North Wildwood, New Jersey. Shore Points Realty, specializing in rental and sales in the Wildwoods and Cape May County for years. Shore Points Realty will help you land your dream home by the Jersey Shore. Call 609-522-2286 or visit them on the web at shorepointsrealtynj.com. Philadelphia, and we're back um, again. A little bit of a different show today. We're uh, both Kevin and I remote, working, uh, working to isolate ourselves from everyone, and uh, diving into our own show. And, it, and so far, we hope it's going well, and you can hear as well. Um, and just before the break, we were talking about some of the crazy news that's out there and the bad choice of ads that the people have been running. And now we're going to get into something a little bit more interesting around. Um, working from home and setting yourself up so that you have everything you need to kind of stay in communication with your team or with your business or with your customers. So Kevin, let's, um, let's kind of get into this. I mean, your side of work right now is, you know, you're working in the marketing team, you're pretty much reporting into a, a, the leadership team at your company. How how are you set up remotely to be able to keep the communication going, access the software you need to do, and deliver on on what you need to deliver throughout the week? No, that's a great question, Wayne. And I actually kind of, uh, I guess, being having worked remotely and knowing some of the challenges, I actually kind of set myself up with a two-stage st- two plan. One, you know... Um, being that it's like a 75 person company, we have the traditional, you know, on-site server, everybody access, accesses, it's, you know, a name drive on your, we're primarily all, right, other than our one department, it's all a uh, residential, um, oh, I'm sorry, it's all a PC-based environment. So okay. we have a server, you know, you access it over a letter kind of thing. We have yeah. remote access to the Citrix server, you know, via what's that Duo or something like that, where you, you know, have to get, you know, the two-factor authentication, 
login, etc. Which isn't bad. They actually recently, uh, the timing was excellent here because and just it happened to be that we had just had it updated, so it actually is running better. But cool. I uh, also find some challenges with it, and as we had talked about in a previous show. Uh, where the person I helped migrate from Outlook to G Suite turned me on to the Chrome Remote Desktop application. I've actually mm-hmm. set that up for my work computer to my home computer so that I can use Chrome Remote Desktop in addition to our Citrix server. And what I've been doing is uh, going in and setting up you know, most of the InDesign, Photoshop, uh, any files I'm working on, in addition yeah. to having them on my computer, I'm down. I'm uploading them to a secure Google Drive that I can access via the Chrome Remote Desktop. So I kind of uh-huh. have a you know a redundant system that I can keep working, kind of regardless of whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you can fundamentally you've kept all the important files that you you need to work on or keep updated or use on a pretty frequent basis remotely so that you you know should um your computer crash you've got the backup should the server be difficult to access at any time you've got a backup so you, you're really just building the efficiency to be able to carry on regardless of what happens uh from the te- technological side absolutely exactly and that uh that's really been my uh kind of goal with it you know is that just in case it ends up being a couple week process or whatever you know i'm able to keep moving uh, keep moving forward because i mean I, I might be wrong, but in even in times like this, I think it's important to keep be able to keep, you know, churning out the things you do, you know, even if they're updates for some of our buildings we manage or anything like that. You know, I just want to really yep. be ready and able to handle whatever comes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm guessing, um, yeah, things like email are not really disrupted by it, but should you need to have a face to face conference? Um, I'm guessing you're relying on Google Meetup. Yeah, we we have a meetup. I would primarily use like meetup hangouts. Personally, I find they're easiest to use. Yep. At least from my experience, you know, and it's funny. My wife being a teacher, they're going to the distance learning thing. And there's something I mentioned to her that I don't think even Google has widely disseminated is, you know, a lot of kids might not have access to a computer during this time of distance learning. Yeah. But just about everyone has and I'm not saying everyone, but the majority of people have access to some type of smartphone. And with yes. that, all you would need to do is download like the Hangouts or, you know, one of the Google meeting applications. And you actually have somewhat of computer access because you can chat and or, you know, see your teacher kind of if they have, you know, open hours or whatnot via just a smartphone. Mm. So for, you know, those uh, people who unfortunately don't have access to a computer at home, you know, I think that's a really great way that they can still keep up, kids especially, you know, keep up with school without, you know, being left behind due to the divide of, you know, technology and whether or not you have a computer. Yeah, I mean, uh, our local schools have actually done some something where they they sent out prior um, to all the students' parents um, uh, the ability to be able to access Chromebooks. So they, they're providing Chromebooks for this, this particular time for anyone who hasn't got a computer or needs access to one. Um, That's so you fill in the form um, and they're literally, I, I guess, 
we've either got to go and pick them up or they're going to you know mail them out to us in some way but uh, everyone that they can i mean they have one for each student at every grade which is awesome and so wow. anyone who hasn't got one at home can now have access to to that's the, excellent yeah i think my my uh, thought was more of the Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, you know, bigger school districts that obviously uh, are hampered by, you know, less resources, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and there's even things from, you know, from the uh, educational pro uh, content providers such as Schoology and things like that, that they offer um, curriculum um, online as well. So it, yeah, at, at the end of the day, if you can get to a library, you can probably get access to a computer somehow. Uh, if yeah, you can't, unfortunately, they're closing a lot of them now. <laughs> it, uh, no, and, and I mean, if you can't, then it becomes a bit more of a challenge as to how you get access to this thing and continue education. Yeah, and, and I kind of think that's where I was kind of thinking with the, you know, it's always good to see if there's a mobile app, if that'll get you at least enough access, you know, that... If your child has questions or something, they at least they have some ability to do back and forth. And I guess on that same note, uh, I was joking my dad over the weekend because he has this running. Uh, he used to have this issue with Comcast that they used to just drive him crazy <laughs> about, you know, the billing. It was never right. The megabytes and all. And uh, so he would uh, always be, you know, kind of uh, he always joked. He thought he was on one of their blacklists. They would he would call and they'd be like, oh, boy. But uh I saw over the weekend Comcast is actually really going to make their internet widely available to people for free and via all of the Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots are going to be opened up so huh. that kids have less of a barrier on of getting on the internet for, you know, the schooling and everything. Oh, that's so a great good idea. job Comcast, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I mean, but, yeah, uh, but, you know, Sorry, Kevin. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the other thing, you know, from a, the school, the, you know, schools and local government are doing their best they can to keep the education flow as, as good as possible, which is great. Um, I think from a business point of view, you know, if, you're, uh, if your employees are, are away from home, what can you do to help them? Well, you know, if they are... I mean, still, unfortunately, still some businesses are desktop bound, right? So they're only Absolutely. using desktop computers. Maybe now's the time to talk to your um, your IT team about renting laptops so that you can replace your desktops with laptops. And then you can get those out to your employees, enabling them to work from home should they need to. That's um, genius. And I think there's other things you can do as well. Like if your team is predominantly office bound, uh, and they don't have a laptop, and you get and you provide them the laptop. Is why not encourage them to set up an office space, you know, um, in their home if they can, and uh, so that way they can shut, you know, shut the door as it were, and and kind of focus on what they're doing. Make sure they've got access to all the applications that they need to be able to do things. Uh, a lot of it nowadays is online, so that makes it a lot easier. Um, if you haven't got kind of a online conferencing kind of application that you use take advantage of this uh this google push right now where they're allowing you free access to everything to make sure that your businesses are still running smoothly if not there are tons of free free apps out there i mean skype um you don't have to get skype for business you can set up conference calls on the basic skype platform 
Uh, you can do desktop sharing, which is really neat and enables you to kind of collaborate almost online where you can share each other. And I know Google does the same. There, there are a ton of options out there for enabling easy conferencing or, or collaboration through um, 3D chat type apps. Um, yeah. So it's worth looking at. And it, you know, again, how long are we going to have to be remote and how long are we going to have to stay in sort of isolation? Are we seeing the worst of it yet? I don't know that we are. It could be, it, it could be a couple of months, it could be longer. So why not start thinking ahead if you aren't already and start providing people with the tools that they need in order to set up a home office? Um, at the yeah. end of the day, it can be extremely cost-effective because you can use, rely on the free options so you don't have to pay for things. Um, no, that's a great point. Laptop. Now, I have a question. I guess let's flip it because mine is, you know, setting up for this time and it's a little bit limited. Now, if somebody is really looking to, is thinking, you know what, maybe this is going to be 30 days. Maybe this is a great chance for me to start working from home more. How about you? What kind of setup do you have? Because you work from home day in, day out, you know, and you obviously are set up for it. So, yeah, why don't you give us a little background on how you're set up? Do you use multiple monitors? What do you do? You know, etc. Um, so basically, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I have an office space if I need to use it. Um, I do have multiple monitors. Um, so I've got a bigger screen that um, I can use for those real detail pieces of work or if I'm coding, I'll have the screen open where I'm the bigger screen will be where I'm coding. The other one will be for the communication channels or collaboration tools that I'm using, such as you know, Google Hangouts or, or Skype. Um, when I'm working with a client, what I try to do is keep all avenues open. Uh, so I have my cell phone with me at all times. Um, and on there, I have um, I have Slack so that I can communicate through Slack. Um, so if there's a quick one-off hit that they need to get me, rather than worrying about email, just quick, quickly Slack me, hey, can we jump on a quick call, talk about X, Y, and Z. We can even have the call through Slack if we need to. Um, it's a great tool, one I love using. They all, the, the client I'm doing work for right now also use Basecamp, which is a great way for us to keep open communication and, and for me to monitor and check progress of the projects that, that they have for me. So that's my project management tool to some level. Um, and then for me to track time, because as a freelancer, I'm charging by the hour. For me to track time, I'm using an app called um, Harvest, um, which basically you go in, you set up a, a, a client, you type in uh, a project type and then basically you hit a clock you start the clock and then you know when when the end of the day is done or the end of that task is done you hit stop that creates the timestamp for you um, and then at the end of the week I can send out an invoice based on all the time I put against that particular project or multiple projects depending on what I'm working on um, but for the most part I've got a MacBook um, that's my sole computer I've got a couple of um, standalone hard drives. I use Google Drive for anything that I'm sharing. Um, so if there's files I need to send over or they need to send me, I, I set up a secure folder on um, Google Drive that they have access to, and uh, we have a we have the ability to add a share and um, you know deliver um, PDFs, PowerPoints, images, whatever it is. Um, so that's pretty much what I have. 
Um, okay. Do you use multiple monitors? Both. Yeah, I have two. I have one big, probably a 32-inch, and then just my 17-inch laptop screen. Okay, so you use one monitor plus the laptop screen. Yeah. Now, how do you find the... Was it easy to set up? I mean, Mac makes it pretty easy, I guess, with yeah. one additional monitor. I, I mean, even with a PC, it's fairly easy. Um, you know, you just go into your monitor settings and, and adapt it for two screens. With Mac, you just plug and play, so it's even easier. Um, what I like to do is keep my laptop screen for email or Slack or Basecamp, depending on which one I'm in. I have that constantly on on the laptop screen and then all my work because it's detail work around design potentially or looking at um, data reports things like that. I have on the bigger screen so I'm not straining my eyes to try to see it. Um, and then my phone is really there. Uh, so if I need to step away from the computer for anything, you know, I'm downstairs making a coffee or I'm going for a lunchtime walk. My phone's with me so that I'm, I have the ability to respond should I need to respond to anything. No, that's great. I really think uh, that's something I found for setting up, you know, my home office was having a regular, a bigger monitor was it worth its weight in gold, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. Um, just you know, the, the eye strain alone, looking at a smaller screen, is it's worth having the big screen. Yes. No, and the, uh, it's funny, I've been talking to, prior to the last couple of weeks, I had been talking to randomly different people who were, you know, setting up uh, offices in their house and nothing to do with the corona. It just was circumstantial, I guess, that uh, or coincidental that it was happening. But and someone who had taken a remote job and they were asking, you know, well, I'm going to start be working remotely. And this was a full time remote position. You know, they were like, well, what would you really recommend? I, and I was said kind of what you did. I said, number one, if you can have a space in you know where you live to dedicate an office that's ideal because you know it's kind of cuts down on distractions which is one of most people's big complaint working from home and yeah. two buy a buy a monitor buy a good size monitor so that you feel like you can actually see everything working on the even a big laptop screen is really difficult all day long oh agreed totally agreed and i think you know um, the other thing I can do, which I, I've done in the past, especially if I'm designing a website and I'm trying to figure out whether it's looking good, uh, responsive website, it looks good on desktop, does it translate down to iPad? You can actually set up your iPad as an additional screen too. Um, no so kidding. Got, you can literally have three screens going at any given time. So you can have your iPad, your desktop, and your larger monitor so that you can, yeah, you can work across all three screens. Um, that's kind of interesting when you get into that world because then you know you've got your own fundamentally you've got your own UX or UI test environment. Um, Ooh, so that's I can really test. interesting. Yeah. So how do you connect the, the iPad to the MacBook? So what I do is is the usual um, iPad cable. I got a slightly I think it's the third generation or second generation iPad. So I'll use uh, the usual connector. Um, which is the US, the small USB type. Mm -hmm. I'll add that to it. I'll set it up on a little stand next to me. And then um, basically there's an app, that the name escapes me right now, but there is, there's multiple apps out there. There's one that I specifically use because of the coding aspect. 
but there are multiple apps that enable you to uh, to use the screen as a de uh, as a de you know, a shared screen. Um, so you just turn the app on, it connects, it connects, and you organise your screens according to how you want to work. Um, so again, it's it's a fantastic tool, like uh, from a development point of view, and it really helps me to see exactly what I'm building and and how it works all the way down um, to the you know, second smallest size. I'm guessing if they look hard enough, I could probably daisy chain my cell phone in too. Um, pretty much whatever app you have on iPad um, will probably be available for your phone as well. So fundamentally, you could have all of them available, like chained to your desktop, so that each one of them is a screen. And so, you know, from a developer's point of view, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. From a designer's point of view, it can be helpful. Um, from the everyday use, eh, not so much, but the iPad one, I think, would be. So even if you've got just your laptop and an iPad, you could still have two screens. You could still have your iPad running your email and communication channels and whilst working purely on your um, laptop. Because a lot of the time, if you're trying to look at multiple screens, you're constantly flicking between them all. Whereas just having that iPad as a second screen, or I'm guessing Droid would do the same thing. Uh, yeah, you don't have to go out and buy another monitor. You can have slightly smaller screen, yes, but will it still enable you to be focused on one screen and have your, your, your toolbox on the right-hand side and your main working area on your left-hand side? Yeah. yeah. No, that's I'm great. Sure. I actually never Definitely do that. Me too. Yeah. And I, I love that yeah. suggestion of, having your you know email program and or you know instant messenger type programs on that one so that you know it, they're there they're visible but when you're you know cranking away and using the laptop screen they're not kind of cluttering it up and you know cutting down efficiency absolutely and I, and there's a couple of like minor things that I would also look out for is con you know make sure if you're using a mouse and it's not and most mouse these days are not hardwired your batteries because <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse point. than using a mouse battery runs out and then you're left with the trackpad um and then you know even as silly as this may sound even having uh, especially with macs if you own a mac the keyboard on the laptop on the mac is, is actually quite comfortable to use but if you have um an external keyboard it gives you the number pad access which just makes life a little easier if you're you're dealing with data entry and you're trying to work out um, you know put all your numbers in to to a table or something like that. Having that, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Makes it easier to do. Um, so again, having those things prepared and available to you makes it a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Then, uh, no, I think that's what it's all about: is being as efficient as possible during these times. You know, I think you know, you brought up a really good point um, in our in our notes, right? Um, about staying active whilst working from home. Um, so again, going out for that, you know, getting to a, a, a schedule almost of going taking a fifteen minute break every now and again just to kind of get away from it. I think the hardest challenge, honestly, is in working from home, is having the discipline to at the end of the day is the end of the day. That's the hardest discipline that for me would be. Okay, when it comes to log off time, stay logged off. Yes. Because it, it's 
yeah, and I think this is where the having a dedicated office space helps, especially if it has a door. You can close the door, you can walk away from it, and and uh, you know, there's just okay. Then it's just a case of focusing on your family time, your quality time, and not necessarily going back to the office until the morning. But it's yes. one of the harder disciplines, I think. Especially because a lot of times when you're working from home like you are, you know, your computer is also your business. So if you turn it on for something else, everything comes up and you're like, oh, I could just, you know, adjust this or look at this or do this. And then, you know, next thing you know, you spend two hours after dinner working. And whereas, you know, if you only have email on your phone and your work computer is at work, you don't really run into that nearly as much. I think that's a great point of having that separation of, you know, work and home. Yeah, and I think the other um, what you'll want is an office with a big window too, or with a window, period. Uh, you get that natural light in, um, it gives you something to kind of look out on so you're not constantly staring at the screen. It makes a huge difference. Um, oh, it really does. That's a great point. If you can, I would recommend having a window. Yeah, it, it does. It helps a lot. That natural light actually makes it more of a comfortable environment. I mean, the other thing is make sure you've got a, a very good office seat, something that you're comfortable sitting in, because you're going to be sitting in there for a few hours at a time easy. So it's worth having a comfortable situation. Um, and again, you know, even down like even down to having a coffee machine or something downstairs so you actually have to physically get up and walk away from your computer to go and make coffee and, and what have you. Yeah. All of those things make a huge difference. I'll tell you the one thing, thing I, I had to find was uh, finding a place and it wasn't in my home office. So I, I kind of do break the rule of uh, <laughs> taking it out of the office. But I always found that I could find a place in my house where I could stand that was the right height, like a countertop or something, kind of give myself yeah. the faux standing desk. That was always really helpful. Yeah, I mean, even with a standard desk, there's some things you can do that elevate the screen level and stuff like that as well. The other thing is, and, and probably not for these current times, but even someone asked me a little while ago, how would you have a client meeting uh, in person? Well, there's a lot of like rented office uh, meeting spaces that you can use, and they're very fairly priced, honestly, for an hour to two hours. And uh, there's Merck Work down Concha Hocken, which basically is just a series. It's a big, big office space, and they broke it up into separate little conference rooms. And you can hire the conference room for a set period of time. Um, I think it was it was something silly, like for a whole day, it was only like eighty bucks, which wow. was insane, right? But you can rent that whole space for a day. You can have your client come in. It feels very professional. They will also cater for it at additional cost, obviously. But you use their Wi-Fi. Um, you have a proper conference table. You have the projection. So should you need to do any screen projecting, you can do that too. So even setting up those really kind of formal client meeting-based things, you can you can do it very cost-effectively and it can look professional still. And at the end of the day, once, you know, you're, you're not paying for that space week in, week out. You're only using it once or twice a year, potentially. Yeah. And I guess if you uh, want to fake the um, office background during these times where you're on uh, 
you know, conference call and you want to make it look like you're not sitting in your <laughs> messy room or whatever it is, you know, yeah. you could always use what is the app chroma chroma screen or chroma key. Isn't there, yeah. a, there's a, I know I'm, uh, I think there's a Mac and a PC based app. If you have a green screen, you can mm-hmm. set it up behind you. And I know a guy that projects all different fact. He loves the golf. So he will project the clubhouse of different golf courses behind him. That's funny. I mean, I, I've seen that done many times and, and it does work. I mean, it gives, you know, it, it creates a pretty easy sense of business, right? So Absolutely. But it's that time of the day where we wind down the thing and uh, hopefully you found this informative and hopefully the quality has been good and we haven't been dropping in and out. Um, but next week, tune in and we'll have uh, another very exciting show for you. Hopefully, we'll be in the office, but who knows? Um, Oh, exactly. Well, uh, it was great, Wayne, and uh, hopefully it'd be nice if we're uh, face-to-face, but if we're not, we'll do it again. Yeah. Um, So don't forget, you can find us online anywhere that podcasts are found, or you can can watch us again on our YouTube channel, uh, or www.smbacceleration.com. Uh, thanks to Dan for helping us out with his technological challenge that we had this morning. And uh, we look forward to uh, the show next week. Sounds good. See you.